Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. The pandemic has demonstrated that people are more capable of change than they ever imagined. Additionally, the pandemic has given many of us the time to find out what we truly value and what makes us unique. Michael Seaver, author, speaker, and founder of Seaver Consulting, encourages us to use this time for teams and employees to come together to build more authentic and sustainable solutions. Right now is not the time to pretend we have the solutions. Now is the time to focus on our own uniqueness, our resiliency, and our core values to successfully team anywhere. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Ginny Bianco Mathis on the East Coast, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Mitch Simon on the West Coast. Today, we are excited to have a very distinguished guest, Michael Seaver. And Michael's an award-winning executive coach, keynote speaker, podcast host. He's um, through his company, Seaver Consulting. Uh, Michael utilizes, can't read today. Michael utilizes. Uh, Yes, his his, uh, unique methodology. It's a very can-do methodology to inspire leaders towards living authentically, and engaging their employees towards personal and organizational success. Michael has a new book out called, Ready? I Know, A Practical Guide for Awakening to What's Within and Finding Work-Life Integration. There, okay, I can see it. And we'll let other folks know where they can get it later in the podcast. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Mitch, for having me. I'm so grateful for you both. Great, oh, great to be here. Thank you. Well, we're going to start with um, what we've been asking a lot of folks uh, is how you navigated the last, you know, 18 months and two years. What have you learned? Wow. Uh, an immense amount, right? So it started with confusion, right? Back in March of 2020, my daily habits were upended. The gym that I would go to was closed. So I had to transition and do some hiking. And that was great because it gave me some time in nature to calm my emotions a little bit. And I learned some new breathing techniques Mm -hmm. and I learned some new ways to reconnect with Mother Earth, which was great. Uh, And then shortly after that, moved to a place of acceptance, right? I got to this place of believing that the pandemic was going to take a while and that it would alter society, just not knowing how. So in a weird way, I re-engaged the game of golf. And that was a really interesting learning vehicle. So taking the time to slow down and accomplish a little bit less physically and more emotionally was another key learning for me. So then after we got, I think maybe towards the fall of 2020, I started to think about integration and I started to think about, okay, what was this all going to mean for me? And so I had to overcome a big fear in working on and writing. I know, and I realized how therapeutic it was to tell the highs and the lows of my life's journey. And the key thing that came out of that for me was that I learned that others were feeling the exact same way. And maybe both of you do too, Mm -hmm. right? It's just kind of fun to be able to know that some of the things that we're going through, we're not going through alone. 
And then, as you mentioned, Jenny, January 1st of this year, published the actual book of significant praise, which was great. It was nice to have my life's work validated. But what I learned that was really, really key is that all of the hardship that I went through in the first 38 years of my life had purpose. And that was really meaningful for me to connect Mm -hmm. those dots. And so now we're at this place where I feel really ready to pay it forward and to do some other stuff connected to the book. And I think the key thing that has come out of it really recently for me in meditation and just talking to other people around the world is that my mission in life is actually far bigger than I thought that it was even a year ago, right? So yes, a really unusual 18 months, but many unexpected learnings and blessings inside that. For sure. And, and and you took advantage of it in terms of different dimensions, right? Your spiritual dimensions, your headspace, and then yep. you wrote a book. Yep. yep. <laughs> the rest of it just sat there going, gee, when is this going to end? <laughs> no, that's terrific, Michael. Thank you. And that really does come out uh, in your book. Yeah. Uh, and so let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, why'd you write it? And what are, you know, the two or three key highlights there? Yeah, thank you. It. I really thought about this from the lens of self-discovery. And I mentioned it just a second ago, and I think it bears repeating, is that for years, I was really longing to understand why the first 38 years of my life were so full of hardship and challenge. And I just couldn't really understand. So I wanted to go through a process with a partner of understanding just self-discovery. Number two is that I had met with a number of counselors and energy healers and Reiki masters and uh, executive coaches and other people that were surrounding me. And they all said that I should write a book. So I was trying to take this information from the universe and find some patterns or themes. And that was really, really helpful. So that was a big why. And then I started to pay a lot of attention to the different societal patterns that were really changing, right? Moving from what astrologists would call the age of Pisces into what we're in now, which is called the age of Aquarius. So in this really decentralized, very holocratic, very work from home gig economy, I saw these things shifting the same way that you two both are saying, well, how do I get ahead of it? How can I help people through it? And naturally, I'm really introverted and really task oriented. So I had to hire a writing coach who was very (laughs) people oriented, very extroverted to help me tell my story, right? So why I wrote the book was really about helping me understand my own hardship. It was about how do I tell my story in a way that I'm not comfortable doing? And how can I provide a guide for other people to tell their story too? So there are a couple of key things, I think, in the book that will really land with people. Uh, Chapter four is really about five puzzle pieces that can come together to define someone's life's mission. So I really want people to focus in on chapter four because that's kind of the meat of what I do as an executive coach. But then chapter nine, kind of the closing, if you will, of the text is really about how to be a coach regardless of where your team is physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, learning and development, right? How do we get people to really join together meaningfully? Love, yeah, that's terrific, which then leads right into uh, our next question, uh, which is, given what you just shared, why does that have even, and how does it relate even more meaning for us today, for leaders and their teams today? Because it's pretty evident it's going to be hybrid or virtual. Yeah. Some, you know, some face to face, but usually a mix. So given what you are trying to share, um, how does this relate to what leaders and teams then should be concentrating on? Yeah, it really came back to me and it struck me a number of times that 2020 and even the beginning of 2021 taught us we are far more capable of change than we may have believed. 
And I really want people to feel safe in that, in their heart and in their soul, is, is that virtually overnight, we went from working in an office, we went from commuting sometimes 30 to 60 minutes to get to work, to now all yeah. of a sudden, we're now doing many things from our own home, from homeschooling to work to uh, kind of our personal exercising things. So what I really wanted people to get out of the book, and, and Jenny and I are kind of dorks for this, is the old William Bridges model of transition, is, is mm -hmm. that I wanted the book to be, how do you end and let go of some old habit, how do you put yourself into a couple, maybe two to three month neutral zone of emotions, if you will, to kind of experiment and try? And then how do you really move to that place of planned, purposeful, aligned action? And that's really what I want people to get from the book. So the book is really about finding personal clarity in a really efficient way to make sure that you're showing up as the most authentic self to those people around you so that they then feel safe to do the very same for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important because you think about daily habits prior to the pandemic, only 20% of the American workforce was working from home. And then almost overnight, that number went to 71%. Yeah. Right. So rapid transformation. And prior to the pandemic, we normally had about 85 interruptions in the workplace, right. Being in an office, then all of a sudden you go home and now you're almost double that family, stuff just happening around the house trying oh, to do interesting work. yeah so think about the number of interruptions that we wouldn't have so i wanted people to feel safe to change their daily habits right the ways yeah. that we navigate meetings the the things that we used to do maybe to drive to some location to have a happy hour like we can't do those things anymore the way that we used to so when we think about those types of interruptions we might have gotten in an office or we might get different ones at home we're still getting a lot of interruptions so I wanted to help people feel safe to design some new meeting rituals and new things to really connect people at a very emotional level. So maybe it's a virtual book club. Maybe it's a Netflix club. There's any number of things that we can do to still find a way to communicate with those folks around us. Mm -hmm. So really, it's about how do we take aligned action? How do we integrate this new way of being, knowing that we navigated a lot more change than we thought we were capable of and we can continue to do it more? And how do we create that safe place for others to bring their life experiences into the workplace, in person or virtual? Yeah. All right. So let's get to some of the little nitty gritty. Let's say I come to you. I said, hey, Michael, I know you know this stuff. Um, uh, I need some help. Um, how do I start working with my team? We're going to be hybrid. Some are coming in a few days a week. Some will never be coming in. Um, and, uh, I want to ensure that we have not just the connection we used to have. I want to have a much better connection. I want us to have a better understanding of who and what we're about yeah. uh, in our culture. I love that. And w what are your recommendations? Uh, do we have all day to be able yeah. to record this? <laughs> yeah, we have all day. Yeah. This is a <laughs> It's a podcast, 24-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, the, the thing that struck me, and I'm going to use one of my clients uh, who's a principal of an accounting firm as an example. And right. it what really struck me was is the, how quickly we have moved from the kind of command and control leadership style that Jack Welch and Steve Jobs made so popular back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And now we've moved to this place of align and empower. Right. So the, this one person, this principal of this accounting firm, um, he is very much the extrovert, very task oriented, high D on the disc profile, type A, just the type of person that expected all of those new people around him to behave exactly the way that he did. Right. Uh -huh. So which 
well, it taught him some important lessons, but definitely hard in the beginning. Um, but he was asked to launch a new department, which is great. So the thing that ended up happening for this particular individual is that very rapidly, we realized that his leadership style was not going to gel with this team. So they had these folks, some in the office, some that were working virtually, but regardless of where they were, he was still experiencing incredible turnover on his team. He was still having problems with the team and actually himself missing goals. And the way that their structure was worked out is that his compensation was actually lower that year because of some of the things that he missed. So he had a big incentive to make a shift. So I sat down with him and this is for everybody to really pay close attention to is that everything in life is connected really powerfully. So what I asked him to be very specific about was what were the detrimental behaviors that were happening today, right? According to his team, according to HR, according to anybody. So we got very clear on what the detrimental behaviors were. And then I asked him to explain the origin story of those behaviors. Where did he learn them? Mm -hmm. Right. Because we had to go back to the origin of where he learned them to figure out how we were going to get rid of them. So what was what were the detrimental behaviors today? Where did he learn them and why? And then what are we going to do to connect those behaviors to his lower performance? So we identified them, went back into his history to see where he learned them and why they weren't beneficial and then connected them to the behaviors that he was having today. Right. And the outcomes of his behaviors. So after we did that. We did a DISC communications training for his entire team, which many people have probably done, but just communication to make sure everybody is very clear on what everybody's style is and how they can communicate more openly. We had them go around the table and set very defined expectations for what they wanted of one another and mm -hmm. from him as the leader. So what are the two or three things you expect of him as a new leader right in that environment? And I, I think we'll, I'll share a little bit more about this in a minute, but we also had each person on the team do a core values activity. So they knew very clear who they were. So then I also encouraged him because he feared sharing part of his story. I said, I want you to authentically in each meeting, share the highs and lows of your journey. And that was a right. big struggle for him. So in, in designing a training for the entire team to know communication styles or core values that got everybody on the same page, we then talked about expectations of each other and uh, of the leader. And then we were very clear on what everybody's uh, core values were, right? That mattered immensely. So as we were doing that, he started to have some small wins. And I want everybody to also have those small wins for yourself. So we decided to find new ways to reward his staff. And we actually rewarded him too. He set a goal that he was going to complete an Ironman, and he did. And as a result of that, he bought himself a new pickup truck. <laughs> but he, he did a lot of hard work, right? And not only physically in Ironman training, but also really emotionally as a leader inside. So we wanted to reward him. And so we taught him how to slow down and kind of trust the process, because yeah. if you know thyself and you then start to share it openly with others, you can use that same process to help others know themselves more deeply. Right. So at totally, an individual level. Totally, uh, Michael. And I call that getting to level three. Hmm. I, I'm sure you all have dealt with teams where they're only ready for level one, which is, OK, let's do a little Myers-Briggs, a little sharing. You know, you're introvert, you're extrovert. And what does this mean for us? But, but it's only level one. Level two might be a 360 where you, you I'm a I'm a three out of a five. Right. So that little bit. But if they're ready for level three, which is what you described, the CEO, the leader saying, here is my strengths. Here's what 
I botched up and or want to get better at, right? And they hear that. And oh, by the way, I'm now inviting you and making it safe for you to say the same thing. That's the level of emotion where change begins to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. And I don't know how you feel about this yourself, Mitch, but when we think about regardless of where a person is, if they have an opportunity to openly express themselves, have their opinion heard and genuinely be feel valued for that, it matters immensely. You know what I love, Michael, is I'm looking, I'm looking at these two big ideas that you shared. One, which is, you know, we're far more capable of change than we believe. And the other one is you mentioned this about aligned action and alignment and empowerment. And it made me think a little bit about, as I'm thinking about this, that one of the, one of the challenges that that a lot of the going back to work, whether it be hybrid, whether we're pulling people back in you know, five days a week for those who are going to go to that model, is it seems like the, you know, for the most part, um, getting in the car or getting in a in in the subway and spending, you know, one or two hours on the way to work and then one or two hours on the way home and barely having time for your family, that was, I would say most likely an inauthentic way to be. Right. Because most people would say, I really care about my family. But when you looked at their lives, they were not leading that. And a lot of them say, look, I just don't have the choice. And I totally get that. I understand that. Now what's happening is people want to go back to work and they're saying, okay, well, it's not five. So it's three, which it's hard to believe that three is authentic. Five's not authentic. It sounds like what you're saying is, is okay, people. We're way more capable of change. We're also more capable of dealing with the unknown. So as we plan our back to work or not back to work or hybrid or virtual strategy, maybe what we should do, which is hard, is to really figure out who we are as individuals and who we are as this community or this team and spend some time there before we just come up with the solution. I don't know what you what you think about that. Yeah, people. I agree. And thank you for saying that, Mitch. It's when we think about, and I'll give you another example of from this particular team, but at the kind of team level, because I completely agree with what you're saying, is that if we just repeat behaviors that might have existed in 2019, we're really not advancing that that much. And so let, let me offer you an example here that, that may or may not uh, kind of connect the dots. And so for the same uh, firm, they were really trying to make the transition from focused on billable hours to how do we actually focus on just results driven, uh-huh. right? Big shift, right? Tremendous shift to make mentally. And so we started to talk about why would we only hire people within a 45 minute drive of the office, right? What were we doing in terms of limiting the talent pool, possibilities, all of that fun stuff. And so what we ended up doing was creating a document. We called it Succeeding Together. And what it was, was a series of five questions. And then on the backside was uh, three zones, a fear zone, a learning zone, and a growth zone. And so the, the questions were really heavily focused in on, as a leader, what questions might you ask of a direct report or somebody on your team or a peer, regardless of where they're located, to be really heavily focused on what it is that they're feeling and who they are, right? Fantastic. So what are... Right. So what are the physical actions they're taking 
How is it that they're feeling on a scale of one to 10? Uh, what are they doing possibly to bring balance to themselves day to day so we can kind of socialize those things inside the organization? Uh, questions or comments that we can make to move the person to from fear to learning or learning to growth. So James, the, James, the gentleman I'm referencing, his boss, who was the managing principal of the organization, he designed a spreadsheet of all of his direct reports and a couple of the other people in the firm. And he would every single week pick two or three people and kind of work through a cycle of reaching out and talking to all of them individually for wow. 15 to 30 minutes, right? So massive give of time, but really wildly important because now he had questions and very specific things he could sense, not only from their body language, but also from their tone of voice and the things that they were rating themselves. So what that did was, is he could track their feelings. He could track important life events. He could track action items. He could track over a period of time, behaviors, uh, emotion, and consistency, if you will. And they have offices in three different states, but they also have employees across 10 different states. Wow. Right. So we right. wanted to find a way to safely bring those life experiences into work and regardless, virtual or in person. And so that that simple activity of either James or the managing principal reaching out, asking a series of questions really authentically, but then being able to assess that person's state, if you will, and then tracking the information that they got back in a very ethical, integrity driven way was absolutely critical because now they saw them as humans. Mm -hmm. Right, not employees, but humans. Yeah. Well, I, uh, what I like here is that is that for 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 many of us, we don't really know what's best for us in terms of this whole new you know working paradigm, and you know it, it definitely you know like I was saying, like four hours a day in traffic, not great. Um, probably you know being alone and never seeing another human being again, not great. But with if I am open to change and, you know, then I should be open to discovery. And then it, it could be that, you know, I need to be in the office twice every other week. And Joni over there needs to be in the office three days every week. And 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 frankly, if if everyone is really engaged where they are, that's going to be the best solution. But we don't know what the solution is until we try it. And then, like you're saying, um, Michael, is to measure it as we go along. Yeah. And, and I love the communities of practice. Hey, give it a try. Come on. Right? Let's all get on Zoom. You Zoom. You're here. You're in front of me. Yeah. Let's give it a try. And then people are sharing. Right. Then the human spirit, you can't help. Oh, I completely agree. And that's the thing is that you're right. With this particular organization, there was a version to this because at scale, they're introverted, they're task oriented, right? They like the peace and safety of the past. I get it. But as soon as they started to connect some of the dots for themselves and recognize and understand that if they were able to share more about their own journey and then get reciprocal information back from others, that the relationships actually deepened and they were actually becoming more engaged and more productive when they were working with clients. So it took a few months to get to that place and that's okay. I'm just really proud of the fact that they did. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of the, the patience involved, the curiosity involved. Um, and, you know, it's, as Jenny goes back to the, the touchy feely is, you know, why should a leader ask how another uh, let's say direct report is doing well, one, it's the right thing. Uh, but two, it's, you know, it, if we really are open to it, we're going to get a lot of good information. And I think that's what we, 
our last two podcasts really, you know, with Oscar on Mentimeter, which is Mentimeter is now being used to just kind of see where everybody is, you know, and then we'll move from there. And I think our other, our other podcasts where we were listening to a CEO talk about how we really need to listen to our people because we don't know where to go. And I do think we're in this, um, over the summer, over the next, uh, uh, quarter, uh, the end of 2021, I think the answer is to be open to the answer. Really? And, and not say. have the answer. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. It's Microsoft made that shift years and years ago from a know-it-all culture to a learn-it-all culture. And that was a really hard transition for them to make at scale, right? Because they're 70,000 plus employees. But it's kind of the same thing, Mitch, that you're saying is, is that when we take a step back, recognize that we don't have all the answers and we're going to be better together as a team, if we're all leveraging one another's strengths, we understand or learn more about those things if we get into meaningful dialogue with one another. Yeah. Right. Love it. Love it. Now, you, um, boy, you touched upon so many things. You you, you touched upon um, being able to bring together the emotional side, the empathy, the learning, while also showing that then creates higher productivity. We all learn and change together. We become a better organization. So both of those things together, I think is great. You talked about how to do it with the leader role modeling, uh, putting some frameworks together, these four questions, uh, a spreadsheet, right? So you need some tools. Uh, you need to embrace it. You can't just be this conceptual, hey, we all need to work together, uh, be happy and emotional. Um, and uh, so I want to then just bring you around to what are your major tips going forward for leaders? Yeah, when you think about, and I think Mitch just did a really good job of explaining that there's just a lot of uncertainty and we're probably better off to just not really know what's going on, right? Not to try to control or expect or predict what the outcome is going to be. Like we're just genuinely not going to know. So what I really want people to kind of take a step back and understand is that it's now okay to slow down a little bit. And I believe that society's transformation is far from over. And to support Mitch and his comment, we just don't know what's coming. So I think we're in a much better place if we slow down a little bit, allow for uh, situations to play themselves out and stay really focused and committed on our own lives, missions, our own core values, the things that we're attempting to accomplish for ourselves, our family, or those around us. So just slow down a bit. Remember that society's transition is quite a ways from over. Love it. Love it. So how can people get in touch with you? Wow. Okay. So um, my name is Michael S. Seaver, or if you've watched The Office, my middle name is Scott. So I'm also Michael Scott. That's or if you funny. watched Growing Pains in the 80s, my name is Mike Seaver, also Kurt Cameron. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> so Michael S. Seaver, two S's there in the center. That's the website. So go to michaelsseaver.com. I spend a fair amount of time on LinkedIn, so please connect with me there. And I love to share kind of funny videos of my cat and more of the personal side of who I am on Instagram. So michaelsseaver.com, LinkedIn, Instagram. And of course, I know uh, who we were just talking about a second ago. It's available print, ebook, audiobook, 40,000 retailers around the world. I think a lot of folks find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, or yep. Google. Easy. Um, sure but, I found it. Yes. So michaelsseaver.com is probably the fastest, but if you want to see the fun side, go to Instagram. All right. So they're cats. They're not lions. (laughs) (laughs) 
the reason uh, folks in the audience don't know what we're talking about, Michael is, is sits in front of this wonderful, fantastic portrait of a lion. So I've been staring at it. <laughs> All right, Mitch, take us home, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm on michaelssievers.com. <laughs> michaelssievers.com. There's a ton of resources here. Um, online courses, great resources. And he's just a good looking guy. That's what I'm going to say, right? You know, it's just, that's the way it is. All right. Well, anyways, uh, we've, this has been fantastic, incredible insights. Um, and really I just, I'm walking away from, you know, we are so, um, we're so, so much more capable of change than we think that we are. And we should definitely use this time, this, you know, this, uh, this kind of time out to really use this time to um, find out who we authentically are and who we authentically need. And I do think that by doing this as a team and as a company, um, it's going to really, let's say, tie us together where we might not be physically together um, again or for the near future. So with that, thank you so much, uh, Michael Seaver. Uh, thank you so much, my amazing co-host, Dr. Ginny Bianco Mathis. And um, if you've loved this episode or any of our episodes, please share them with your friends and your colleagues and uh, bring them to team-anywhere.com. It's just, it's been a great, uh, great fun we've had and some really great information. And until next week, we'll see you on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.